Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in, listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. For those of you that this is your first time here, uh, last year we began this series, Music with a Message, and we did a lot of secular tunes that maybe sometimes we miss out on because in Christianity, oftentimes we throw the baby out with the bathwater, but there are a lot of incredible messages that have been presented to us uh, outside the church that really were a cry for help to the inside of the church. And so this is one of those, if you haven't seen The Greatest Showman, this particular song was probably most moving to me because you basically had a, a, a group of misfits that nobody wanted. They were ashamed living in the dark and living outside of, of, of society as, as it was known. And, and so one man has a vision to bring all these misfits together and create what was created. And, and I believe that's the heart of God is to bring mankind, a bunch of misfits together to create and design a picture that looks like him. So let's stand, hold our Bibles up high, if you would. Welcome all of you watching online. We are so glad that you've tuned in. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Um, you know, anytime we do something a little different in church, it, uh, it oftentimes catches people just a little bit off guard. And so, the, you know, Jesus looked at his disciples to go out the highways, highways and hedges and compel them to come in. Verse, uh, uh, Luke 14, verse 23. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet because they were, they were ignoring the invitation that Jesus had sent out. And, you know, uh, it's always been my heart, my vision to do whatever it takes to reach people, just whatever that takes. And a lot of religious people don't understand that if I told you, hey, look, we'll do whatever it takes. If you have a lost child, an adult child that doesn't know Jesus, then I said, man, what, what does that look like to you? And, and would you mind if any way possible we could reach them? Would you be okay with that? I know what you'd say. Do whatever it takes. Well, listen, we're a do whatever it takes church. I remember one time I was doing a uh, Easter at the State Fair Arena. We had nearly 12,000, 13,000 people there. And uh, 900 people gave their life to Christ that year. But um, that, that literally walked forward to give their life to Jesus. And one of the things that we did that year was I bought a brand new Harley Sportster. And we did a raffle and said, we're going to give away a Harley. I took a lot of criticism for that. But let me tell you, there's not one person who had one of those 900 come forward to give their life to Christ, said, if it took a Harley to get my kid to church, so be it. They now know Jesus. So let's get over the religious thing because we're giving away Charleston's gift cards. Why? 
because we want to invest back in your life. And if a simple $20 gift card will get somebody into the house, how many of you know it's worth the 20 bucks? So we need to get a little excited about what, what's going on right now. And, and not start calculating and getting religious. I ain't mad at nobody, but let me tell you something. Whatever it takes, as long as I can breathe, we're going to do to reach people for the cause of Christ. Now, y'all, some of y'all need to take an exciting pill because you're sitting there like a bump on a log. This is not a funeral. It's not a wedding. This is church. So you need to act like it. All right, now. I'm feeling a little peppy after vacation, all right? Jesse was so worried about me coming back, he didn't even show up this morning. I think he's in Houston with his mama. He's probably watching right now. Get your lazy self out of bed, boy. All right, now. He did rock it. I, I watched him, and I tell you, he's my buddy. Yeah, you can go ahead and give him a hand if you want. I don't know. <laughs> I've got so much... That I, I just try to piece everything together because uh, the idea behind this song, obviously entitled, This Is Me. And I think the greatest challenge that we have in life is getting up every day and looking in the mirror. And what we see in the mirror and who we see in the mirror is often different than who we see in our heart. In other words, we look in the mirror, we know what we look like out here. But my question to all of us today is, do we know what we look like in here? Do we know who we are? And the reality is, the greatest challenge in life is being able to face our flaws, our deficiencies, our inadequacies, the things in our lives that we don't even think are pretty. Therefore, we cannot for one moment imagine that anybody else, if they really knew who we were, could accept who we are. We, we have a hard time because... We so desperately want to present ourselves in the way that we desire to be seen. It's called creating an image. It's what Hollywood has portrayed to the world is, I want you to portray this particular person in this way. I want you to see them this way. And I think many uh, people in the industry with, with a great heart act out their whole lives who they wish they were. They, they take certain roles. I mean, it, you know... When I, when I think of Denzel Washington, one of my favorite actors, and I just can't stand to see Denzel in a, in a bad role because he's such a nice guy. You know, he just, he just doesn't make a good bad guy to me. You know, if Denzel plays a bad guy role, I just can't even watch it because my image of Denzel is that Denzel is this nice guy. He seems like just a really wonderful person, and, and uh, I like him, okay, because he's created that image on stage, on the big screen. And so we all have this desire in us to establish an image on the outside of us of what we would like to be and like others to see. But the challenge is that everyone in here is a fallen human being. You're all flawed. I'm flawed. We're flawed. And, and the reality is that sometimes we can't be around people because of the image that someone has placed on them or a a decision they've made or a mistake they've made, that becomes the image of who they are when in reality, that's not the real them. And you know what? You're not the real you. I'm not the real me because we were created in the image and likeness of God. And because of our flawed DNA, 
we all find ourselves in the same predicament, striving for our whole lives to really become the authentic us. Now, sometimes the authentic us does not meet the approval of others. But quite frankly, I, I, was, I was reading on Facebook this week, and I probably ought to just get it out and read it to you. And uh, one precious lady posted something on our Facebook that was, it was so precious and so sweet, and the language would not be appropriate for church. But she said, well, Pastor, I know that, you know, you know people talk like this. And I loved her. I liked her. I said, come see us, baby. You know, it's like, but, but you know what I love about it? It's authentically her. You don't have to apologize for being authentically you. You know what? Every one of us in this place is inappropriate at one time or the other, or at some point or the other, you're inappropriate. And if you don't think you are, it's inappropriate that you don't think you are. There you go. So there's your inappropriateness right there. Well, Genesis chapter uh, 1, verse 27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So God created us in his image and his likeness. And when he placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, they were fully in the image and likeness of God. They were naked without shame because there was such purity in who they were. All they could see is who they really truly were. They were created in the image and likeness of God. Now, what happens when we're born today and we're brought into a family, this is what happens. Our parents, as well-meaning as they are, and me being a parent now, as well-meaning as I might have been, the idea was that we, we raise our children so that they really are in the image and likeness of our family more than the image and likeness of God. I know that many times my mother reprimanded me because she didn't want me to misbehave because it was a poor reflection on her. Am I right? Yeah. So we behave, act right, let's all put on our smiles, and let's all act a certain way. Now, there's nothing wrong with being sensitive to the world in which we live. There's nothing wrong with acting in appropriate fashion so that we don't make other people uncomfortable because we have to live in this world together. But the reality is that we lose sight of the fact that we were created in the image and likeness of God. And we become created in the image and likeness of someone around us. So you and I have a, a God image, if you will. We're born with that. This idea that we're created in the image and likeness of God. And then we ask the question, what does that really look like? Who am I, really? Don't we all go through that? Who am I? And, and so the beauty of this song, This Is Me, is that they finally grasped the idea that whoever they were and whatever they looked like in that moment was who God had made them to be. Some of you are very short. And when I say that, it kind of stings a little bit. Some of you are very tall. And believe it or not, some really tall people feel awkward about being very tall. And, and, and so in our minds, and some of you are, are more round than others. Some are real thin. You see where I'm going with this? That we all wrestle with who we are. We always want something or to be something or look like something we're not. 
and unless you're a narcissist and then you think everybody ought to be like you. But the reality is we all fight. We're all looking. We're all wanting. We're all desiring to find this place in life that says, you know what? I'm created in the image and likeness of God. I am so fearfully and wonderfully made that every part of my nose, God handcrafted. It's a little longer than I would have made it. <clears throat> but I had to get okay with it. You see what I'm saying? And then I think some of you are just shortchanged. I've got a whole lot more capacity to breathe than you do. You just begin to turn things around and go, you know what? I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm creating the image and likeness of God. Now, I was born to J James and Nadine Crow. That's who I was born to. And that's who brought me into this world. But out of my mother's womb, the reality is God was establishing me in his image and his likeness. And he used the vessel, my mother, to bring me into this world. But the reality is I belong to God. I belong to God. He is my father. He is everything. I'm created to look like him. I am the splitting image of God. So if you don't think I'm good looking, you're going to have to deal with God someday. Because he'd be looking and going, he looks just like me. And that's what he's going to say about you. You're beautiful. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're incredible. You're phenomenal. Embrace the person that you are. Be comfortable with who you are. It doesn't mean that we're not going from glory to glory and we're not growing and, and knowing God better and more on a daily basis. But the reality is our image taints oftentimes or restricts our ability to become more like God. Sometimes God will give you a zit right on the end of your nose just to test you. <laughs> just to see, hey, you going to be okay with this? Are you going to let that zit define you? This is no lie. One time I was, I was traveling and, and going to speak at a church, and a pastor and his wife picked me up. and She was kind of a, you would know her if I mentioned her name. They were very famous in their day. They get out of the car to pick me up, and uh, she literally had this huge zit. And before... I could even say hi. She says, I just want you to know I know. And she starts explaining her zit. So the zit in that moment began to define who she was. She had lost sight of her beautiful image and likeness that God had made her. You see what I'm saying? And so the idea that we could dare live our lives without shame or fear or in the shadows just because we don't measure up. To an image or a standard that we have created in our own minds. The joy of life is that it's lived one day at a time. One moment at a time. You can live the rest of your life trying to explain your yesterday. Or you can live today without regard for the rest of your life. Because this is all we have. Tomorrow's simply an illusion. If you say, well, tomorrow I'm going to do this. Right now, tomorrow's an illusion. It, it doesn't exist. Technically, there is no tomorrow. Technically. Now, we know that if things continue as they've done throughout thousands of years, that, that tomorrow will probably come. But I wouldn't lean on tomorrow if I was you because tomorrow is very unstable right now. 
It's not, it's not attached to anything. Tomorrow is disconnected from the universe. It's disconnected from everything because today is all we can stand on. So we fight in our minds to say, I love God. And you know what? I believe with everything in me and atheists and agnostics would argue with me today. But inside every human being is a love for their creator. A desire to love God and to know God. Inside all of us, hidden underneath all of the uh, insecurities that we possess, is this drive and desire to know our God. But because we're so insecure and we're so in touch with who we're not, that we've lost sight of who he is. Because we're so focused on who and what we're not. We can't find out who and what he is. And so because of all the, the teachers and the parents and the aunts and the uncles and the friends and the neighbors and the relatives who are shaping us and forming us and influencing us cause us to question our very existence and being, our very value on this earth. The whole reason for, for this day is we want all of you who are visiting and all of you who are watching Many of you just simply out of curiosity. What's Big Sunday? You know, and I apologize to any and all of you who might have been offended by our giveaway. But we at Mosaic Church believe so much in people that, number one, we wanted to reward those of you who would get out of your comfort zone and go tell somebody, let's go to church, that we were going to give you a meal. Now, I don't think God is angry with us today. I really don't. I, I think he's a little bit excited about it, actually. And those of you who came for a meal and you said, I don't give a flip about God, you might before you leave if all it took was a Charleston to get you here. And for you to hear the gospel for the first time or be in the midst of a bunch of fallen people who aren't afraid to say we're fallen people, it might just change your life and your world. Say, I think I can go to a church like that because those people are bigger idiots than me. We've distanced ourselves from a fallen world. We've made it look like the church has, is some kind of country club that has initiation fees. And you've got to look like us and behave like us. And then we'll have a board meeting to see if you could come. And we've distanced ourselves and we say, no more. We are called the human race, not the church race. It's all of us together trying to figure out how we can look more like God. How we can be more like God. How we can love more like God. How we can extend grace more like God. How we can have mercy more like God. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me all who are weary. And heavy laden are burdened, and I will give you rest. Out of the message, it says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and, and work with me. Watch how I do it. Now, don't you think that the church is supposed to be a reflection of who God is? So our goal is for people to say, you know, I went to that church. I was tired, but when I left, I was energized. 
They weren't there to point out my flaws. They were lifting their, I, I heard them lift up God. That's the goal. Today we're going to show you a couple of videos. And the reason for these videos is these are people who came to Mosaic Church and God did something in their life. Now, I, I know each one of them at some level. I've met them. I've talked to them. They're a part of the church. Been a very, they just jumped in. But they're powerful stories. And they're stories of how they, how their life was transformed. It's their story. It's not your story. It's not my story. Though you have a story and I have a story, this is their story. That God did something that they wanted but maybe didn't expect. July 17th of 1977, God did something in my life that I wanted but I didn't expect. Because I didn't expect that God could love someone like me. I didn't expect that God could take someone like me. Embrace someone like me. And we get that image in our mind that we are unsavable. I know it's not a word, so for all you English teachers who want to correct me, I get it. But that was the image I had in my mind that certainly in a day like today, somehow the Bible times were different than now. And I take a look at the Apostle Paul. I look at David, who was an adulterer, murderer. Moses, who was a murderer. The Apostle Paul, who was an associate to murder accomplice to murder. I, I look throughout the Bible at all these people. I think, boy, that was great. And because Jesus kind of lived during that era somewhere around there that it was different than now. And let me tell you something. That was the image I had of God that he was available then, but he's not available now. And he'd be available to people back then like he was, but he wouldn't be available to people now. And I don't know how many of you have that in your mind, but that, that was what I had in my mind. And, um, on that particular Sunday, I was invited to church. And I thought, what do I have to lose? <laughs> I tried everything else. What do I have to lose? And it was a life-changing day. And I don't know how many of you value your family to the point. If you've never watched Machine Gun Preacher, you might want to watch it. But it's a true story made to film. And basically, that was the question that the machine gun preacher had when he was accused of being no different than Joseph Coney in Africa, who was killing people for the sake of what he believed in. But he said, let me ask you this question. If your child was about to be murdered by this man, would you fault me for going in and doing whatever it took to save your child? The answer to that is obviously no for any of us, whatever it takes. I want you to watch a couple of these videos, and then we'll have a couple more in a moment. Go ahead and roll these guys. The second week of August 2016, I decided to get off drugs and try to clean my life up. So I meet my wife. She started telling me that Mark Crow was back, and he was uh, he had started a church. She believed it was called Mosaic Church. She wasn't sure. I got home. I Googled Mosaic Church, and bam, there it was, Mark Crow. So I looked it, I looked it up, called the number. Five minutes later, a guy named Rick Ratliff calls me and uh, wants to know if uh, he can help me. And uh, I woke up that Sunday and was not asked to play golf by anybody. And I got to sitting there thinking, you know, I don't know why, but something just kept telling me, hey, you told this guy you would come, you need to show up. Somebody taps me on the shoulder and I turn around and this big old guy standing there with his hair down to here. And he looks at me and goes, hey, are you Mark? And I said, yes, my name is Mark. And uh, he said, well, I'm Rick. I'm the guy that called you, invited you to church. 
And they said, you know, what, what's going on in your world? How can we help you? I said, guys, it's real simple. I need to learn how to pray. And I went through my story with them about, you know, my drug use on and off all of my life and, uh, and uh, how, I, you know, this time I'd really like to beat it. Joined an AA group, and they keep talking to me about praying and, uh, and went through the whole process with them. My car's out in the parking lot with a blown engine. Uh, I don't have a job. I've been fired. And just went on and on and, and kind of explained to them, you know, why I was there. And when I got done, I asked Mark, I said, okay, so, you know, give me the, give me the spill. How do I pray? And Mark looked at me and he said, you know, Mark, you've been praying this whole time. You've just been talking to me instead of God. If you will go home and talk to God the way you've been talking to me, he will answer your prayers. I started going to church every Sunday after that. Uh, they asked me to be a greeter one week. And then the next thing I know, they want me to try to, you know, make sure I'm there every Sunday. They want me to greet. I, uh, I've never felt at home or a, a different family than, than what my normal family is like I do Mosaic Church. I would encourage anybody in, that, uh, that doesn't attend church that, that thinks that they don't need it to come listen to Mark Crow, visit with Rick Ratliff, and maybe you'll get what I got out of it. Hi, my name is Crystal. In March 2017, I ended up homeless after a relapse of methamphetamine. I had been nine and a half years clean prior to that. My son was taken in July of 2017 after we had been on the streets for several months. I called my DHS worker because I didn't know exactly what to do. I just knew I couldn't be out there anymore, that my, I, I was not safe. At that point, she told me I should come to City Rescue. I walked here from the DHS office. While I was at City Rescue, my sister-in-law decided to start helping me as much as she could. She kept telling me that if I would seek God with all of my heart, that my life would turn around for me. <laughs> and I had a friend here that I came really close with, and I kept looking at her, and I kept thinking, I'm so jealous of what she has. During this time, I had a friend contact me on Facebook, or she's now a friend, she's a stranger at the time, and she offered to start taking me to church. And the first moment I walked into Mosaic, I knew it was my home. I felt comfortable and listening to Mark Crow speak, a, a feeling of um, belonging, a feeling when he talks about what Mosaic means and it being all these broken pieces that are put together to make a big picture, I understand that completely because I once was broken and I'm not broken anymore. I asked Mark and Crystal to sit on stage because sometimes people think, well, that's a beautiful story, but are these people real? They're real. We applaud you. We're so proud of you. I, I, I'll never forget their stories only because Mark's story, if we, we, we could have given it 30 minutes, I mean, everything that could go wrong went wrong. I think one time you're riding a bicycle to church or something. I mean, it, it was stupid. His car blows up in the parking lot. He has no job. Now, are you sales manager now? Sales manager at, at Joe Cooper. So he has no job. Now he's a sales manager, manager at Joe Cooper. Two years. This is what happens. This is what happens when you go, this is me, and you let God take over that. And then, of course, if you look at Crystal and she's worshiping, you can't miss her. I look and I go, that woman is a tall woman. 
And, and she's always smiling. So it's not just her height, but when she smiles, there's this glow. And you take, folks, less than a year ago, this woman was homeless. Not only does she come to Mosaic, she has her started her own ministry outreach to the homeless because she's been there. God bless you. This is a beautiful picture of redemption. This is what we're talking about. This is, and uh, is this your son here? Hey, come up here. Get on up here and sit on your mama's lap. Come on, boy. Let me tell you, this kid's going to have a story to tell right here, too, because he's lived where a lot of kids ain't lived, and you're going to be better because you did, my boy. I'm just telling you, he's going to, see, we're just disconnected, and people like Crystal connect us and connected to us and empowers and enables us to connect to others who are looking for their story. See, some of you are in the first chapter, and then it was terrible. The second chapter sucked as bad as the first, and, and you know, before you know it, you just stop writing. You, you quit. You quit on, this is as good as my story's ever going to get. The image of who I am is never going to change. This is me. This is me. And God says, you know what? You think that's you. But I'm going to clean up. The, I made you in my image and my likeness. But the devil comes to try to make you believe. He steals, kills, and destroys any hope, dream that you could imagine by changing the image of who God really made you to be. You have to see that God, through his son Jesus, paid the ultimate price. For you and I to experience an ultimate life. But it comes with decisions and choices that we make when we fall down, we get up. She could have said, forget this, man. I can't get any lower than the streets. Mark has said, forget this. You know what? I don't even have the money to play golf on Sunday. I'm broke. I don't have a car. I'm riding a bicycle. You ever seen anybody carrying a full bag of clubs on a bike? I haven't. Usually doesn't work well. So Mark has to go, and Crystal has to go, i got to continue to write my story because I don't like how this book's ending right now. If my book ended in the second chapter, nobody would want to read it. Sometimes we quit. We give up. God never gives up on us. And until you come to the end of yourself, you may never come to the beginning of God. Until you come to the end and say, I've tried everything. I've done it my way for so long. And I'm not even just talking about money. You know, there are a lot of people who are up and out, as many as people are who are down and out. There are a lot of people. I mean, you know, I, I won't mention names just for the sake of not getting anybody offended. But just recently there was a suicide this past week of a very up and in person. And, and it's, you, you go, but they had everything. Probably not. Their image to us looked one way. But the image they had of themselves looked another way. The idea is for us to not try to impress others by creating an image that others will like. But to help others find their image in God. To love others in such a way that we embrace who they are and love who they are right where they are. And that we call people in who don't look like society wants them to look. Doesn't behave like society wants them to behave. Because we're all just looking for one thing. To be loved. And I think it's interesting that God doesn't just love. The Bible says he is love. And that because he is love. It would be like a compass that's always looking 
for the north. We're always looking for God. There is a pull upon mankind to find God, to know God, to experience God every day. And in a world that is filled with all kinds of challenges and obstacles, as well as opportunities and desires, there are so many distractions that prevent us from really knowing and seeing that we're created in His image and His likeness. Fear and worry and doubt and unbelief every day come to us and challenge us to believe that we can't possibly be happy where we are. We can't possibly like who we are. We have to fall in love with who God made us. And that's different than falling in love with ourselves. We're falling in love with who God made us. I will never be on this side of heaven everything I want to be. Because he, the Bible says, He who began a work in me will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, I will never arrive on this side of heaven. I don't have to because every day he arrives in me. And every day he makes everything all right. Now, he has to fight through a lot of flesh some days. More, day, more flesh some days than other days to get me to see who I am in him. And that's what this day is about. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 12, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So we acknowledge the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for us. And without the shedding of blood, the Bible says there's no remission or forgiveness for sin. The sacrifice of animals in the Old Testament was not sufficient for eternal redemption. So God said, I will send my only son and he will be perfect and he will be the perfect and final sacrifice. And that his blood will not just atone for the sins of mankind, but his blood will cleanse mankind of their sin. Then he says, after that, you'll overcome by that blood. And then the next thing is. By the word of your testimony. We're not telling our story enough. We're not being articulate enough. We're, for the last week, I've been inviting people just like you. Just, and, and I won't get a gift card. You, well, I'll just give you my card. That was never mine to start with. I'll just tell them to give you my card. Why? Because I just wanted people to know, I think there's something at Mosaic Church that's going to change the way you see you. Second Samuel twenty two twenty one 21 says, when I brought all the pieces before him, he made my life complete. It's out of the Message Bible. He made my life complete when I brought all the pieces before him. We're all broken people. But that's what God's looking for. Because you were born broken. You just didn't know it. I wrote, I, I don't remember how many things that I, I learned during my journey. But one of them was, I wrote these words. I was not as good as my mother said I was. Mothers lie. You're so perfect. You're so beautiful. You're so wonderful. You can be anything you want to be. I love my mother, and she encouraged me. But now I look back and go, Mom, no, I couldn't. I was bought with a price. I was born with a purpose. I have an imprint of God's destiny on my soul. That's who I was called to become. Mark, look to God. 
And you can become whatever he wants you to become. Outside of him. Not so much. Got a couple other stories we want to just quickly show you. So let's roll those. Mosaic. Uh, when Pastor Mark first started out and God gave him the word mosaic. Broken and put back together again. And that's what you experience here in Mosaic with that love. When you go and you look at the older churches and the cathedrals where it has that stained glass and it's broken, but it's put back together again. And it's all that different flavors, all the different colors and everything, which gives that flavor. But when the light shines on it, you know, it just beams and it's so beautiful. And that's what mosaic means to me as I come here broken. You know, God puts it back together again. In the morning, Suleon and I are here first thing in the morning, uh, getting the coffee ready, getting everything set up so we can serve the other different departments and getting it ready. And as we say in uh, the hospitality team that we serve you in style and with a smile. And I do that not to serve man, but I do that to serve God because how much I love God and how to know how much God loves me. When you're down and out, come to Mosaic and experience God's love. Well, I guess it all started, I mean, I guess like a year ago. Tyler, and he's my best friend. I can't say enough good words about that guy, but we've always played music together. I moved up here when I was 22, and we met through ACM at UCO. We've just been great friends, but one day he hit me up asking me to play bass for him here at church. And I, of course, practice him day and night trying to get ready for it because I was just so nervous. I hadn't been in church in, you know, probably 10 years. I didn't, I just didn't know what to expect, you know, from a small town. Showed up that Sunday morning, went through rehearsal, met everybody. I just remember feeling the overwhelming sensation of just comfort. I've just never been so comfortable in a spot, especially a church before. It was just, it just felt different. I, it, I didn't really know how to accept it. It's just a great feeling to be back into a place where you can be yourself and kind of kept in contact, you know, said, hey, if y'all ever need me again, just let me know. And of course it didn't take long to get me back into it and I was actually playing guitar the next time. And that's when I really started to feel like I was supposed to be here. And it's like, this is my home away from home. And I just, I just can't say enough good words about this place. But I remember when I first picked up the guitar and saw how surprisingly good I was. I, I just knew that I had to pay it back somehow. The right church seemed to find me, and it, it's just, I, I never would have thought that it would be as great as it, as, great as it is. It, it's just an amazing feeling to be up there, you know, to be a part of this place. Now, this was not by design, now that I think about it. I've watched all of these before uh, the service and throughout the week. And uh, you have what we would call on the left a couple of pretty good sinners. Uh, these folks right here jacked up from, you know, I mean, they all messed up over here. You know what I'm saying? You'd be looking and going, I ain't got anything. I can go to heaven. Those people, you know, that'd be, you got, you got all the, you know, we got, we got this situation here. 
Then we got a couple of good people who just need the place to like say, hey, I fit. You see what I'm saying? They didn't talk about drugs or anything. You know, this is really nice. I'm not saying y'all ain't nice. But I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, look at the difference. The whole idea is this. Whether you're doing drugs or you're not doing drugs, everybody's looking for a family. Everybody's looking for a home. Everybody's looking for a place to love and be loved, to serve and be served. We all want the same thing. We want a family of people who will accept us right where we are. And I'm going to close with the lyrics of This Is Me because if you're like me, I, I can recognize songs. Sometimes the lyrics kind of escape me. It says, I'm not a stranger to the dark. Hide away, they say, because we don't want your broken parts. I've learned to be ashamed of all my scars. Run away, they say. No one will love you as you are. But I won't let them break me down to dust. I know that there's a place for us. For we are glorious. When the sharpest words want to cut me down, I'm going to send a flood, going to drown them out. I am brave. I am bruised. I am who I meant to be. This is me. Look out, because here I come. And I'm marching on to the beat. I drum. I'm not scared to be seen. I make no apologies. This is me. Another round of bullets hits my skin. Well, fire away, because today I won't let the shame sink in. We are bursting through the barricades and reaching for the sun. We are warriors, yeah. That's what we'll become. Won't let them break me down to dust. I know that there's a place for us, for we are glorious. When the sharpest words want to cut me down, I'm going to send a flood, going to drown them out. This is brave. This is bruised. This is who I meant to be. This is me. Look out, because here I come. Look out, because here I come. And I'm marching on to the beat. I drum. Marching on, marching on, marching on. I'm not scared to be seen. I make no apologies. This is me. The story here, just as you are, come. Watching online, just as you are. I've seen it. I've been in church since 1977. I've been in some really good churches. And I've been in some that I'd never go back to. I watched people come in broken and battered and bruised. And they were loved. Because they didn't know God. But when they came to know God, I watched how the church began to treat them differently. Just because they didn't change overnight. And they didn't change a lot over time. And that broke my heart because I feel like it doesn't matter what side of the cross that you're on except for eternity. But in our life, it doesn't matter to me what side of the cross you're on. Whether you're lost or you're found, we're going to love you the same way. And we're going to love you every day the same way. If you come and say, I gave my life to Jesus and... and and you're still struggling with all the things that you've struggled with for your whole life, guess what? You now have a family to struggle with you, to pray with you, to stand with you, to believe in you, and you just keep coming back. Week after week, Sunday after Sunday, I challenge you to keep coming back. Don't ever quit. Because that self-condemnation, that self-image that, that's stuck with you, when you get born again, your image 
of who you are doesn't change immediately. You still you see yourself as a, a drug addict, an alcoholic, a messed up, or a loner, or I, whatever it is. However you perceive yourself, whatever image that you have allowed to be imprinted on your mind, that doesn't go away overnight. Matter of fact, the devil has a lot of snapshots, and he just keeps putting them on your brain. When you take one out and you cast that thought down, it comes again tomorrow, and it comes again the next day. And then the Bible says that you and I have to take every thought captive and make that thought or that image or that picture obedient to Jesus Christ. Now I'm a son of the Most High God. I've been born again. I've been forgiven. I've been set free. And the, the image of the past is the past. And there will always be people bringing photographs of your past up and bringing and making sure that everybody remembers and nobody forgets. Keep snapping them, baby, because I'm going to keep holding up the photograph. I've been born again. I've been bought with a price. I've been forgiven. You have to keep showing that picture to people. They'll be looking and say, is that the crystal I used to see under the bridge? Is that the way? Well, that, ain't, that, that can't be you. What's up with you? I mean, that. come on, man. Talk to me. You, you got to be, you're her twin sister. Today, those of you that say, you know what? I want to change the photo album of my mind and my life. I want a different picture of me. Everybody's got a picture of you. They hang on to them. People who hate you, people that have hurt you, people that have been hurt by you. Everybody's got their picture. But if you'll keep loving and you'll keep smiling and you'll keep walking, you'll keep taking your place, you'll fulfill your destiny. And many of those people will turn and follow you because you weren't focusing on them. You weren't defending yourself and fighting against them. You're fighting for them. You're fighting for your cause, the cause that Christ put in you. Lead that way. God put eyes in front of your head, not behind. Don't look back. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Just for a moment, those of you that would say, I want, a, I want to write a new chapter in my life. I want, to, I want to finish my story the way I really envision it, the way I've dreamed my whole life. But never thought it could be my story because every day that I wake up and look in the mirror, I see the same person I saw yesterday, last week, last year. And you're living your life by an image in the past that isn't really you. I look throughout my life and I, there are seasons in my life I go, who was that person? That wasn't me. This is me. This is me. A person who wakes up every day with at least a bare minimum, a desire to follow God and to love His creation. This is me. Today, you have the opportunity to rewrite, or better yet, to start writing the story that you want to be told of your life when it's all said and done. Scripting it here and scripting it in heaven for all to see and all to read. The Bible says, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Man, that's what Crystal did. That's what Mark did. That's what Ardella did. It's what Logan did. All from different perspective, a different platform. It's what I did. Finally, one day I said, I, I, wanna, I want my life to look different than the way it looks. If you want your life to look different than the way it looks today, it's in your hands. It's not the image your parents created that, that's going to keep you out of heaven. It's the image that you've embraced. 
God couldn't save somebody like me. God couldn't possibly love somebody like me. You're wrong. He's always loved you. And he always will. Say, please, if this is you, say, please pray for me. I need, I need God today. I need a different perspective. I need a new self-image. When I ask you with heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you, just lift your hand up and say, pray for me. Come on, lift them up. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless you back to my left. Thank you. More of you down here in the center. Yes, sir. Thank you. God bless you. I want us all to pray this prayer. And those of you watching online, pray this with me. Say, Father God, I'm going to do what the Bible says. I'm going to call on your name. The name of your son, Jesus Christ. And I'm going to repent of my sin. I repent, God, right now. And I thank you that the next chapter in my life will look different than the previous chapters. Thank you, Jesus.